we fear the vulnerability of getting outside of our comfortable spaces. If we can be vulnerable and trust, most people out there are really operating for the greater benefit. What could loving your neighbor actually look like? Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast, your online community of sojourners who are growing more loving in neighborhoods all across Canada. We'll navigate into hot topics about child welfare, faith, and reconciliation. Be challenged with real-life stories and honest conversations that will inspire you to love others well. We're glad you've joined us on this Journey with Care. Well, today is an exciting day, and I'm so happy to have with me here a very special guest that I can't wait to introduce everyone to, Mark Peterson. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there, Wendy. It's great to be here today. Well, it is really a delight on my behalf to introduce many people to you. You have been a person that has personally impacted me and our organization of Care Impact in profound ways. Mark Peterson is the CEO and founder of Stronger Philanthropy. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about Stronger Philanthropy? So I, I like to call myself a philanthropy advisor. This is a term that I've picked up and just started using because really what I'm doing, it's a, it's a niche that not many people do, so it's hard to explain. And with the philanthropy advisor, what we do at Stronger Philanthropy is work with major donor families, and we help them and advise them in their philanthropy. We provide systems and tools and connections and networks to help them make good grant-making decisions, to help them have impact for their philanthropy, for their generosity. And another huge part of what we do is, is try to involve the whole family in the philanthropy. So not just the founders of of foundations, but bringing in multiple generations and, and allowing people from 20 years old up to 80 years old who are generous to be involved in these decisions and get involved with the charities that they like to support. And Mark, I really appreciate being able to interact with you and a broader community of other charities from across Canada and also the clients that you're working with, you've brought together a very unique community and we have an app and it's very engaging. And the reason I wanted you to be part of this series of what gets you up in the morning is because when I see you in these spaces and interacting and interviewing people and bringing people together, I see your face light up. Something happens within that. Can you tell me a little bit of your journey towards Stronger Philanthropy? What brought you in here in the first place? And why does it inspire you? What gets you up in the morning to do Stronger Philanthropy? Yeah, I guess I have to really start out with the longer story. My story starts with growing up in a Christian home and recognizing from an early age that all of what I do is meant to be for God's glory. It's meant to worship Him. And so I dedicated my life to serving God in that way. Back in those days, this is maybe 30 or plus years ago, the way that one, one tended to give to God, I guess, was through becoming a pastor or a missionary. And I knew I wasn't a pastor, but I became a missionary. And so my wife and I met at seminary in Toronto, and we ended up going to Columbia as missionaries. And so my life was about service and was about 
seeing God's people strengthened and empowered in what they do. And we, we worked in Colombia for several years. I love Latin America. It's, it's a place close to my heart. And, uh, también. <laughs> and that's something you and I share, Wendy, is, is that yes. love for Latin America and, and just the people and culture. It's a place that because of the poverty and because of the challenges, especially being in Colombia during the war, it was a very demanding environment, a very challenging environment for us to live in. We had our second son born there in Medellin during Pablo Escobar's years. So we saw a lot, we experienced a lot, both joy and pain, both good times and some challenging times. But I think that living together with Colombians and suffering together with them through that period of time, when the entire country was basically under lockdown and, and under siege in, in many ways, we identified with them to a greater degree, and we started to recognize that living and working together is the way of the kingdom. And we, we experienced that, that oneness and solidarity with Colombian people. And so you did ask me about Stronger Philanthropy and how I got into it. Well, when we came back to North America, I, I then started working for our private family foundation. So my parents, Reg and Carol Peterson, started Bridgeway Foundation when I was a missionary. And a big shout out to Bridgeway and your parents for helping us at Care Impact do some exciting initiatives. So we're so grateful. Yes, that's a great first project for them to get involved with Care Impact. So I started with Bridgeway Foundation because back in those days, Bridgeway was just really a concept. It, it had started to give generously to lots of Canadian charities, but it didn't have any process. It didn't have a, a purpose, a stated purpose. So I led the strategic planning initiative around Bridgeway and helped it form its focus and its process as to how it would engage with Canadian Christian charities. And so we had a, a focus back then on building capacity and stimulating innovation in Canadian Christian charities. So I, I led that initiative from 2000 until 2016. And at that time, we went through a reorganization with the foundation, and I determined at that time to start my own firm, Stronger Philanthropy, with the idea that Bridgeway would become the first client, but then I would start to add other families beyond Bridgeway as clients of Stronger Philanthropy. So I essentially was doing a similar type of work as at Bridgeway, but the benefit was then extended beyond that to multiple families. And so today we we are working with 12 client families. If you add everybody up, it's probably about 38 people that I'm responsible to and reporting to and assisting in their, in their philanthropy and helping manage their generosity. Have you always been a networker? Is that something that gives you joy <laughs> naturally? Would you consider yourself? I, I think so. And I think it's definitely my mother in me. <laughs> yeah, my mom is a prime networker and she loves to connect people. And I think I just took that. I, I learned that intuitively from her from an early age. And I love networking people. Well, and it shows too, because there's hardly a time that goes by in conversation that we're not networking other people into the conversation. And I love how you are just so there's a generosity side to that beyond just the financial 
looking at the philanthropy side of things, but a, a generosity of relationships. I, I see you as a, a relationship broker and that lights you up. What would you say gets you up in the morning? I think if you take the term philanthropy and you take out of that concept, the fact that it's about money, you know, like the money thing is definitely a part of philanthropy, but philanthropy is much bigger and broader than that. And that's what gets me up in the morning is the idea that my whole life is to be lived out generously, you know, so it's not just about financing great projects that are, you know, special and meaningful and impactful, but can I actually leverage the relationships I have and, and connect people, make everybody else better by bringing them together? That's what philanthropy can really aspire to, I think. And it's working. Can you tell us a, a, an example or a few examples of what Stronger Philanthropy is up to, either in a broad scope or, or down to a micro, whatever you want to share, some of the good that's coming about because you are bringing people together? Uh, what does that look like? One of the interesting developments that's happened in Stronger Philanthropy in the past year has been the development of an app that we've developed called the Stronger Philanthropy Community. And I hear this funny ad on the radio right now that somebody is talking about, oh, well, they have an app. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a diss because, you know, like the app, I mean, everybody says, oh, I've got an app for that. Well, it's it's much more than an app. It's actually a platform that has created and is creating deep community. And it's just been an outcome really of COVID that this whole community concept has developed virtually. And so this uh, community now, we have 175 people who are members of the community. And it's comprised of our 38 clients, family members, and charity leaders uh, round out that 175. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting community because there's an opportunity for relationships to develop. There's live interviews that we do live streams and interview people. I interviewed you, Wendy, yep. several months ago, and you told your story and showed us your Shasta trailer and, and uh, gave us an update. But like that, that kind of an interview was hugely beneficial for my clients to be able to view that, to understand better who you are as a person, who Care Impact is, to understand your backstory and know what motivates you to get up in the morning. And so these, these interviews that we have in the, in the platform are highly valuable. Then there's also like a Facebook style type feed where you can have conversations and posts and videos posted. There's also a database of the charities that I've met. We have probably around 220 charities that I've personally met with and interviewed. And those are all profiled in the, in the community as well for our members. So it, it's become a really interesting thing. And I, I tell everybody, you know, when they join this community, when I started it, you know, it was just this massive experiment that I was just taking a huge leap of faith because I had no idea what this would become, what it could become even, you know, it was just a big experiment. And yet even over these, you know, 15 months, I guess, it's become quite a vibrant place and I'm seeing the benefit happen. Well, I think that's one of the reasons I appreciate this uh, Stronger Philanthropy community 
because you are coloring outside the lines. You are bringing community where there could be a spirit of competition amongst charities that sometimes those silos are created where there could be a let's compete for for similar funding. I feel that maybe this is just my perspective. I really feel like we're all on the same team. And I don't want just people's checks. I want them to be actually putting their their investment, their hard-worked money into things that matter to them. And if it's aligned, I want to work with them. I Now I'm actually having breakfast <laughs> with some of these clients that you've connected me with because it's not just a funding issue. It's actually a breaking of some relational poverty issues that we all need each other. Right. And I, I love that. And for me as a charity, and I know there's other charities listening, to be able to work together, maybe we're in our own lanes and we can highlight that. You highlight that. We don't have to be all a big melting pot. We can actually celebrate each other's lanes. But I'm seeing a lot of referrals and a lot of team support. If I have a question about a specific thing on benefits or or on how to engage the community, we're here for each other and we're we're jumping on there. So thank you for making that that community possible. It needed somebody entrepreneurial to color outside the lines to say this is possible. So that's beautiful. Yes. And just reflecting back for a moment on your comment about silos, you know, the, the charities are in certain silos, you know, everybody's, you know, consumed with making their charity function and meeting your goals. And that's as it should be. But we get in this tunnel vision type of perspective and are all consumed with our own little territory. But not just charities, but donors as well get into these silos and they can benefit so much by having their minds expanded as to the opportunities out there, the, the need that's out there, how they can actually fit in. And as they see what other people are doing, generous wise, they can also emulate that or learn from it. And it can become a very rich place by how we learn from one another. Mark, I've never seen you have a bad day. You must have it. You're human like everybody else. You're always happy, uh, maybe because you're in your happy place when I see you. That's what gets you up in the morning, as you've said. But do you ever have a bad day or a day where you feel unfulfilled? Or uh, maybe the better question is what keeps you up at night? Those hopes that are yet unseen or the things that you are striving for that you're working towards. But what would you tell me is something that keeps you up at night. Let's talk about silos again, because when I see silos happening, that's really what grieves me and what I find is a problem in our sector. And that's a bad day for me when I start seeing organizations that are, are not operating ecumenically, let's say, you know, where they're not sharing information and learning from one another. When donors are, are not making decisions with a, a large perspective and a large overview, but rather just serving their own agendas. It impoverishes all of us when we, we operate in silos, when we operate isolated. That's really one of the purposes for this community that we've developed is, is to broaden the conversation and, and get us outside of our, our ruts. And I think that something that the heart of God within you that grieves mm. God too when we operate in silos. It's not ecumenical, as you said. And it's interesting that the things that keep us up at night are some of the gifts that God has given us to share that burden. Otherwise, how would we be motivated to break that? 
to change mm. that. Maybe that's a, a thing that we don't have to move away from or isolate ourselves from those bad feelings, but actually lean into like you are doing and leaning into it in a beautiful way. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think the reason for silos, I think, often is fear. We fear the vulnerability of getting outside of our comfortable spaces. And if we can take that leap of faith and start to be vulnerable and trust, trust the process, trust the people, trust the others that are also operating with good hearts and with you know good motivations, generally speaking. There's always bad apples, but you know most people out there are really operating for the greater benefit. Yeah, fear generally makes a, a terrible fruit. It doesn't grow good fruit, uh, but love does, right? It's an orchard. And, and that's really neat that this invites people to combat those fears and to trust people. I certainly have, have found a lot of value. As we, as we talk about things that get me up in the morning, I'm thinking of even earlier today, I was writing a report for one of our clients I had a site visit with a, a charity and I'm reviewing my notes. I'm reviewing the conversation we had. I'm reviewing the, the application that they presented to us. And I'm writing up this report for this client. And I find that as I do that, it's a discipline, you know, to write up an analysis of a charity. I look at, as I do the due diligence, I look at their, their financial reality. I look at their fundraising efforts, their marketing and communications. I look at their leadership and their programming. So I, I look at the whole big picture for the organization and I assess whether the project is a good fit for that organization and whether the, the donation that is being anticipated is really the right fit and the right time uh, for that charity. And even though it's a lot of work, there's a discipline involved. Every time I finish those reports, like I finished one an hour ago before we got on this call, you know, I sealed it up and I made it into a PDF. And, you know, once it's a PDF, you can't change it anymore. <laughs> and uploaded it as I needed to uh, for our client. And just that satisfaction of having done that, because that discipline process of doing that analysis gives me confidence that I share with the client on the viability of this, this grant and the, that the generosity is well-placed, that the clients can go with confidence and, and make that investment into that organization, knowing that it's going to bear really good fruit. And the project itself that I was looking at was actually a very simple project and a very small, relatively speaking, small project. It was to, to develop a strategic plan for the organization. And so is that an interesting thing to fund? Uh, for me, it is actually, because I, I see the potential of how that strategic planning process and how they are engaging with this outside service to take the organization through a strategic planning initiative over the next year will really shape and transform how that organization is positioned going forward. One of the things in, I noticed in there in the due diligence was their communications and marketing. Their marketing and branding was actually quite pathetic <laughs> without naming any names. And, uh, and yet, so part of the, you know, part of the offering there is, is to 
introduced the concept that in the strategic planning process, that branding and marketing really needs to be an emphasis to help position that organization for the future. And I have a, a network of people and know some really good people who could be great help to this organization. Yeah, because if there's anything I know about Mark, Mark knows people. I often come to you and say, hey, do you know anybody in this realm? And, and sure enough, you you have connections, which is beautiful. And I think one of the things that I, I see in that process of what gets you up in the morning is probably the integrity of giving, that there makes some good business sense. It's not just that mushy kind of like, oh, because I want to do the goodness of my heart and we'll just kind of squander it away or just throw it in with best wishes and good vibes only. It's actually, there's some integrity, there's some strategy, there's business around it. And you're seeing that planted well in fertile soil and you get to be part of that process of helping make that happen. That must be very gratifying because I know it's certainly been helpful for us when you've given us that feedback and saying, what do you actually do? Like you give me some really good, hard questions to answer. And I like that because it makes us better and it makes us better users of the funds that God has entrusted with us, with the clients that you are connecting us to. That is beautiful, that integrity part and the the strong business sense. What I'm really inspired by, and I often think of this, I have a keychain actually that has engraved on this keychain the script, what is in your hand? And it's inspired by the story of Moses in Exodus, stooping down to pick up the serpent and it becomes a staff in his hand. What happens in his hand is this miracle, this transformation from serpent to staff. And God says to him, what is in your hand? You know, and, and that becomes the vehicle through which he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. So I'm inspired by the idea of what's in your hand. And, and as I reflect and contemplate for my own life, the question I ask myself is what is in my hand? And I need to ask that. And I'm in a very unusual, privileged position by having these connections, by having the family that I have, by having the clients that I have. And my desire is that what is in my hand becomes used for the benefit of, of many rather than as a selfish initiative. You know, so I just keep going back to what's in your hand and let's use that for the kingdom of God on this earth. Now, suppose I'm somebody that is still trying to figure things out, whether as a philanthropist or a charity um, or a pastor or you name it, For those of us that are still trying to figure out what is in our hand and how to utilize it for the best with integrity, what advice would you give that person that is figuring that out? Hmm. What immediately comes to mind is the need to stop and wait and contemplate and listen, because I think often we rush into things. And if we're trying to find our purpose in life, our calling, how we can be more most effective. I think there needs to be a place of prayer and, you know, consideration where we give space to God and to ourselves, to listen to ourselves even. And I think that, you know, my calling and my commitment to stewarding what is in my hand, it's come through a lot of waiting on God, a lot of praying, a lot of times apart where I consider and pray through these things. So I would encourage people to to maybe 
create space to do that. That's really solid advice, Mark. I I really appreciate it. I was actually doing some inner contemplation while you were saying those words. I was internalizing them myself and reflecting when I know what I have in my hand, probably the hardest thing for me to do and just total transparency is opening up my hand and, and releasing those things for the greater good. So it's one thing for me to to know, okay, so I've, I've been given these gifts, I've been given these privileges, I've been given these areas of passion, but it's not mine to hold. <laughs> and that's sometimes a, a very challenging, again, we're going back to that fear-based response to let go. I, I want to be in control. And yet often, if it's God-led, it will be beyond what we think we can do with it. That stick in Moses's hand certainly... Would he have imagined that it could part the sea, but God could. And that's that's beautiful. This has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I am so glad that you took the time out of your busy schedule to 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 speak with us on Journey with Care podcast. How can people get a hold of you or if they're interested in the stronger philanthropy community, either as a client, family foundation, or as a charity, how could they be part of this community? Well, I invite you to go to our website at strongerphilanthropy.ca and take a look around. If you are a charity, there's a page called Charity Meeting, and you can read about how you can meet with me and uh, how we can have that initial meeting. That would be the first way. And there's also a page on our website that describes the community. And if you'd like to be a part of it, you can request an invitation to join. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Wendy. All the best to you at Care Impact. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impacts, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or follow us in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.